everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the podcast that goes Snick. I'm your host, Jason Minimal. In this episode, we're going to finish up all the Wolverine books for April 2013. That's pretty much it. So, all right, here we go. So first up, we have And the X-Men with Wolverine and the X-Men number 28, Savage Learning, part four, School of Snicked. (laughs) That's what I should have called the podcast. (laughs) It's written by Jason Aaron, art by Ramon Perez, colors by Laura Martin and Matt Mia, VC's Joe Caramagna is the letterer, and Ramon Perez and Laura Martin did the cover. And the cover is Wolverine in the foreground with his students in the background in the savage land. And he's drooling. (laughs) Got his claws out. Um, it's, It's a cool cover. I like it. So we start off with Wolverine thinking to himself in our monologue on the on the blackbird on the way to the savage land. And I know this is pretty cool so I'm just gonna read this real fast. He says I don't scare easy. Just ask the parade of crazies I've faced over the years. The super killers and sci-fi psychopaths. The space gods and alien flesh eaters. The Canadian government. Hell, even the bonafide devil himself. Best of them folks ever got out of me was a snarl, some snixed, and a whole mess of stabbing. <laughs> Not even the worst of the lot ever had me waking up in the, in the middle of the night with cold sweats. Hands shaking, too damn scared to get out of bed come morning. No, only these kids can do that to me. I'm scared to death of failing them like I failed most everybody else I ever cared about. Hell, I'm probably the last person on earth a bunch of troubled mutant teens should be learning anything from. But I guess I should have thought of that before I opened my own school. Too damn late to turn back now. Time to put up or head back to hell, old man. Time to show I got more up my sleeve than just some adamantium. (laughs) After a hundred years of dragging my sorry carcass all around creation from one horror show to another, I'd say it's past time I finally grow the hell up. And maybe help these kids do the same. So then we go to now in the Savage Land, and Idy and Brew are hiding in a cave. And Brew, or Idy's looking for her Bible that Wolverine gave her. It was from Kurt, so that's cool that she got Nightcrawler's Bible. That was a nice touch. And we flash back to earlier when Wolverine is trying to get through to Brew. It says, I need you to remember who you are. And he told him where the Blackbird was going to land on autopilot. Which, remember, that's the kid's task. Was to survive and find the Blackbird as a team. So Brew bites the Bible in his mouth and runs off to the Blackbird. And Idy's trying to get it away from him. And a T-Rex comes charging out of the jungle. And he falls over dead. And Idy's like, that's weird. Must have been something he ate. Ba-doom. Then we get a snicked as three claws cut out of the dinosaur and Wolverine comes slicing out of the, di- the T-Rex's belly. He's like, where is he? Where's Dog? And we see Dog fighting the different things he's brought from different time streams. And uh, iBoy uh, uses his, I guess, second sight to see everybody's psychological issues or whatever. And so he shoots the androids in the one place where they will blow up. And he tells everybody what's for. And then he's like, oh, wait. He kind of surprises himself. 
But then Dog walks up and says he's going to take care of these brats. But the kids all stand up to him. And Wolverine, oh, except for Glob, who runs off. And Wolverine sees it, says it's just for a second, but it makes him proud. So him, Idy, and Brew come out of the jungle and tells Dog to step away from his kids. And Dog goes on about, no, he's going to get everything Wolverine took from him that he deserves. And Wolverine uh, kind of surprises us. He says, so damn be it. I won't fight you, Dog. You'll just have to kill me. And snacked his claws go back in. And Dog says, then you'll just have to die. Starts beating him with his adamantium billy club. And he's going to town on Wolverine. And the kids just kind of, they don't know what to do. They're standing there. And the old, the tin head outlaw takes a shot at Dog. But... Quentin Quire starts, stops the bullet, and Dog's caught off guard. He's like, you saved me, even after I... And he flashes back to his dad beating him and saying in the corner, I ain't no dog, I'm the greatest Logan who ever lived, over and over again. And he realizes he's done the wrong thing, and he gets just depressed, and he grabs his time diamond, and he and all the people he brought with him from the time stream... Go back. And Wolverine's like, dog, no. So Wolverine tells him to get on the plane. They're like, what about Glob? He ran off. He's like, just get on. And the kids are like, but we have to all do this together or we fail. You said so. Wolverine's like, no, kids, you didn't fail. I did. And we switch over to an aside. We have Glob Herman running off with Saron to the uh, Hellfire Club. And then we end up, Wolverine says, they hate me. They got every right to. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, but nothing I've ever done has prepared me for this. The school didn't come with no instruction booklet. And most every instinct I got is telling me to run away or scream at them until I can't scream no more. Or just drop them in the woods with a pack of wolves and hope for the best. I'm wondering as we go here, kids, same as you are. As you might have guessed, us Logans weren't really cut out to be teachers, or brothers for that matter. So go on and hate me all you want. Lord knows you'll have plenty of company. At least that hate means you all got something in common. And that's the start. Only real family I've ever known wasn't built on blood anyway. It was something you had to earn. Then we go back and an old future dog is beating past dog <laughs> in the present. <laughs> as convoluted as that is. And he's making him say, say my name is Dog. I'm the greatest Logan who ever lived. And that's that. All right, so it was uh, almost too tidy wrap-up to the story, but it was pretty cool where the kids kind of become a group of X-Men as they're standing up to Dog, even though it's brief and it wouldn't have lasted if, if Wolverine hadn't showed up. It was a cool little thing. And I don't know, the whole idea that the Wolverine sees that the school is worthwhile in spite of all his doubts and rough edges and I don't think that he says talks about the kids hating him but I don't think they hate him they he gave them all something worthwhile on the, on the way over and they survived and they're gonna go back and they're gonna learn something from this experience maybe it's not it wasn't the best thing for a professor to do but hey it is a school of mutants so rules are a little bit different a couple of funny moments I thought the story was good I thought dog just kind of going back into the time stream where he came from it could have been a, maybe a little bit stronger resolution of the story, but it was still pretty good. The art of Perez is still good. Like, he's still really good. He's great, like 90% of the issue again. So he's 90% great, and the other part's still good. His shark girl looked a little bit weird to me in this issue, but I think maybe he's still trying to find his comfort level with that character, maybe. But overall, um... It was another good story and a good series. And uh, we'll see what next is future. The Jean Grey School of the Future. So we'll see what that is. Uh, but overall, I'm going to give Wolverine and the X-Men number 28. Three out of three claws. Alright, moving on. Okay, so next we're going to wrap up Extermination with Extermination number two. Remember the overall story was by David Lapham, Marjorie Liu, and Greg Pack. This chapter is written by David Lapham, with pencils by David Lopez, Guillermo Magoran, Raul Valdez, Mateo Loli, or Lali, um, inkers are Don Ho, 
Lorenzo Ruggiero, Carlos Cuevas, and Alan Martinez. Andre Mosa is the colorist. BC's Corey Pettit is the letterer. Mike Diodato and Rain Barreto did the cover. And the covers is pretty average for Diodato. Um, he's a great artist. It's not a great cover. Basically has Age of Apocalypse, Apocalypse Jean Grey. That's a mouthful. And Wolverine reaching out to her, blah, blah. All right, so basically in this story, they decide that the only way to defeat these evil dark beings is to trap them in the Age of Apocalypse universe and close the portal from the other side. Hmm, I'm not not saying I'm unique or super brilliant, but I did call it. I'm sure most people reading the book also called it. It was fairly predictable. But um, anyway, so, but as they are getting through, Dark Beast plants a remnant and calls it a nugget of the Apocalypse Death Seed in Iceman. To contain it. So Iceman has that. And I had thought. I was wrong about one thing. I had thought all the other. Alternate X-Men would be left. But they all come back to Earth. Except for Age of Apocalypse Jean Grey. Or not to Earth. To our universe. And Sage is trying to figure out a way. To close the portal but they can't. And they figure out that Nightcrawler. He's been teleporting everybody back and forth. If he can go through and grab the black matter that was holding the universes apart, like the barrier that was broken, and hold on to him on this side, he can teleport back in and take it with, like, kind of shut the door behind him, basically. So that's what he decides to do, and he dies in the process. There's a part where, where Wolverine keeps referring to him as Kurt, an elf, and that inspires Nightcrawler. That doesn't really make any sense. This whole time, Wolverine's been talking about... It's not our Kurt. It's not our Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler apologizes. And Wolverine's like, you're a hero. Kurt, elf, oh, what have we done? And it's, I don't know. I'm not buying it. It was inconsistent. So then basically we, we catch up with the different heroes. They're not going to stay with the X-Men. They disperse. Wolverine offers for Dazzler to be on staff at the Jean Grey school. She says, I've seen too much death. I need some time. It's a good offer, but... I just need to kind of get away for a minute. So Wolverine says, Offer stands. Once you figure things out, come see us. Which not lying. Kind of hope she doesn't. I've heard that Bendis is a Dazzler fan, so that may be opening the door for him to do something with her. I don't know. I don't really like Dazzler that much, so kind of hope this doesn't happen, but it probably will. They wouldn't have mentioned it. Um, Yeah, Art, besides being a hodgepodge, some of the guys are okay, but overall it wasn't that great. And while it's cool that, like, Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler realizes the error of his ways and, and has remorse and makes a sacrifice to make up for it, it doesn't make sense that Wolverine would necessarily, even though he apologizes to Wolverine for betraying him, like, that part was cool. Like, the development in Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler makes sense. Wolverine being all chummy with him before the sacrifice doesn't make sense to me. To me, he would say, okay, he just made this great noble thing to save our universe. Maybe he was more like my Kurt than I gave him credit for. And come to the realization after. The fact that he even does it before he apologizes. Like, he just randomly starts calling. They've been really inconsistent in this story. Mar- everything that Marjorie, Marjorie Lou wrote. Sorry, I'm getting a little excited. Everything that Marjorie, Marjorie Lou wrote. He stuck to his guns about, it's not our Nightcrawler. He may look like him, but he's not the same guy. The other writers were super inconsistent with how Wolverine referred to Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler. Sometimes he called him Nightcrawler. Sometimes he called him Kurt. Sometimes he called him Elf. Sometimes he called him Darkholm. I super inconsistent with the other writers, and I didn't like that very much. But like I said, the fact that he would call him Elf and that would inspire Nightcrawler, doesn't, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not a good story beat. If he came around and said, like, in memoriam, okay, well, I already said that. Anyway, um, yeah, that's the story. It kind of ends, is not good as it started. I'm just completely unimpressed with it. So I'm going to give Extermination number two, one out of three claws, and I'm just, I'm glad it's over. (laughs) 
get to astonishing X-Men, hopefully back to just some normal stories and some good stories, and we'll see. So, extermination number two, one out of three claws. All right. All right, so next up we have Uncanny Avengers number seven. This is written by Rick Remender, art by Daniel Acuna. I know, is that what the accent does to his name? Acuna, 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 Matata. <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure. Chris Eliopoulos is the letterer, and the cover is by John Cassidy and Laura Martin. The cover's all right. It has, like, an apocalypse-type head in red in the background with two little shadowy figures, and up front are some of our Uncanny Avengers with Havoc, Captain America, Sunfire, uh, Scarlet Witch, Thor, and Wasp. Everybody looks all, They're all growling and frowning. It's an all right cover. Um, all right. So basically, where we are now is the Apocalypse Twins. Remember, Kang took them into the future and grew them up. All right. So now, there's a Starfire space station. Enough, sorry. sorry Star Core space station. Out kind of by the sun, I guess. That's what it looks like. And, um... So the Apocalypse Leftovers, Genocide, the Four Horsemen basically, have taken Apocalypse's ship to this place, and this is a way to communicate to the far ends of the universe. So Genocide, now that the Apocalypse twins have been stolen away by Kang, Genocide has come to submit himself to the Celestials and declare himself as the rightful heir of Apocalypse and to serve the Celestials in evolution. So he calls out, and one of the Celestials comes to him, finds him worthy, gives him, grants him a death seed. Are there more than one? Or is this the same? Did this Celestial somehow get the death seed from it? You know what? Extermination kind of sucked. I'm, I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> so the Celestial gives the death seed to Apocalypse, and he's awaiting his armor, and then the Apocalypse twins show up and start kicking butt. And they have this Norse axe called Yarnborn that Thor had lost thousands of years ago. And the dude Apocalypse twin has it. I gotta say, these Apocalypse twins look pretty sweet. They look like a nice cross between Apocalypse and Archangel. They both have cool wings and cool different designs. Anyway, he takes this uh, divine axe and chops into the head of the Celestial and, and actually splits it. And the energy starts pouring out. So somehow he's actually managed to kill the Celestial. And it says the consequences for the universe will be severe, at least for the Earth. So they fight the horsemen. Uh, they take their mother Pestilence back. War and um, uh, what's the other one with the drums? Famine? Or sea pestilence, and the mom was famine. Ah, oh, whatever. They can't defeat them with their super apocalypse archangel-related powers. Uh, the girl shoots acid bubbles out of her wings. Like, remember when Archangel would shoot the little shards from his metal wings? Well, she shoots little acid bubbles that travel through time. And they both have control over time. Genocide, Apocalypse's son, tries to shoot a plasma bolt, and... The Apocalypse twin, Uriel, just um, dispels it through time until it eventually just runs out of steam before it gets to him. There's an awesome panel of him shooting something out of his wing. Like, he's in black and his wings are red and you see little red dots coming out in a blue background. It's really, it's a really cool panel. Alright, so we go to Avengers Mansion. Of course, their press conference went to hell when the Reaper attacked and Rogue killed him. And... Nick Fury Jr., who's here, says that that's going to start a mutant, a mutant human war. I cannot talk. I don't really see how Rogue killing a supervillain is going to start anything. Like this part, I'm not digging on too much. And he talks about how people have taken it upon themselves to continue the Red Skull attacks with the riots. That makes sense. So if he's going to use that to say there's a war coming, okay, maybe so. That's... You know, fits in with X-Men lore. It makes sense. People getting mad because Rogue killed a supervillain. I don't... Actually, that's a really big deal. And yes, it happened on national TV. But I don't... I understand there would need to be like an investigation. Blah, blah, blah. It is still like a death. And because everybody saw it, it can't just be brushed aside. But to act like it's this huge thing just doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, so Havoc comes back in. They decide they've had to make some concessions, so they're putting Rogue 
off of active duty, and she's like, I don't want to be on this team. You can't demote me. That's BS. And Thor stands up for her and says, she's an Avenger. That used to mean something. And Scarlet Witch says, no, we can't have it. We can't do this right now. And they all start arguing with each other again. That part's getting a little old. I hope that kind of has grown a little bit. I remember pretty soon. The whole, oh, we're X-Men. Oh, we're Avengers. <laughs> the brat stuff could be, uh, it worked for an issue or two. Seven issues in, I'm a little ready for it to go away. So Havoc says, well, now I have a mission. You need to hunt down Magneto. And Rogue's like, oh, better yet, I get to hunt down people I care for. And she storms off. And Scarlet Witch storms off. It's a good call, Alex. Who better to hunt my father than one of his floozies? Then we go to the Peak, which is the Sword Space Station. And Agent Brand, or Captain America and Sunfire have gone to meet Agent Brand. And she shows footage of this guy taking the axe to the celestial head. And Captain America realizes the gravity of the situation. And a celestial craft is exiting warp. So Apocalypse's ship has come towards the Earth. So Scarlet Witch comes and finds Wonder Man. And he says, am I an abomination? She's like, no, you were never dead. You were somewhere else. I just found you and pulled you here. He tries to kiss her. She pulls away. He says that he loves her. He came back from the dead for, for her. She says, I... I love you too, Simon. I do. Like a brother. Oh, what nobody ever wants to hear. <laughs> so she walks off. Wasp and Havoc meet. The fashion line is the unity line, she calls it, is doing st- stupendous. It'll fund the team for a long time. And Havoc kind of gets all boo-hoo-hoo. And Wasp says, you got to be optimistic. That's the, that's the difference between Avengers and X-Men. Avengers are optimists. The X-Men are pessimists. She wants them to see the brighter side. And she goes, You're now a chairman of the X of the Avengers. Has everyone wondering who you slept with to land the job? And Havoc says, It was Thor. <laughs> so he kind of lightens up a little bit. And then Janet comes on to him. And Havoc says he doesn't have time for the complication. And Janet says, Life's too short to worry about that. But then the alarm goes off, so they go to the war room. And um, Captain America tells them about the Celestial and says, this is what he used. And it says, Wolverine and Thor both tense up. Now, last issue I didn't cover because Wolverine wasn't in it. One of his Logan ancestors was. So I, I understand why, why Thor recognizes the axe. I'm not sure why Wolverine does. And Akuna's version of Wolverine, by the way, has the sideburns coming out of the cowl. Like the cowl's really drawn back on his head and, and you see his facial hair as opposed to just his chin. So that's interesting and kind of cool. I don't know if I prefer it or not, but it's interesting. Then Havoc grows some Morrissey hair and um, basically, and I missed the line about, I did, somewhere, Wolverine says something funny about a butthole opening up in the sky and dumping crap on everybody. Oh, talking about Red Skull. That was a ways back. Okay, anyway, that was a cool line, but no longer applicable. <laughs> so Thor disappears, and the Apocalypse ship is heading right for the peak. So they abandon ship and escape coffins? That's... I wouldn't want to get into an escape coffin. I would just feel like if I'm going to die anyway. <laughs> so I might as well just stay on the base instead of getting in a coffin. Anyway... So there's two left. Sunfire says he's going to stay. Captain America says, don't be silly. But, oh, trope. Captain America's space coffin will not open. So Sunfire throws him in his and ejects him. And he's there. But he immediately regrets it as the apocalypse ship crashes into the peak. I gotta say, Akuna's version of the peak looks like a Star Destroyer from Star Wars. It's pretty awesome. Eventually explodes into a million pieces and fire rains down on the earth. And Thor, who regrets having lost his axe millennia ago, he's charging right for the ship in a nice panel. So, alright, the story is badass. Like, this whole, like, we're going to see, like, the Apocalypse twins slaying a celestial and then coming to earth. Like, yeah, alright, I love this. I'm eating this up. I could have done with... Without a little bit of the drama, but some of the, but some of the drama was cool. Wasp kind of hitting on Alex was interesting. Ro- you know, I Rogue being mad at his decision and leadership is interesting. I could just do without all the pettiness 
still. Or at least dial it down a little bit. But um, maybe this will be the, the mission. Maybe finding Apocalypse Twins. And actually being forced to save the Earth. And neither the universe itself will pull this team together and make them actually be unified like their name suggests. The art... I like Nakuna's art when he's drawing weird stuff. Like the opening section, like his celestial looks awesome, his apocalypse twins look awesome. So him drawing weird stuff is great. His... I don't really know about his Alex, so maybe that's where I'm drawing some of the negativity of his, of his down-to-earth art. It makes him almost too tall and too skinny. Whereas, I like... It's almost like he, he suddenly gets Scott's build all of a sudden. But, um... And Scarlet Witch has a very interesting haircut. It's very, like, Betty Page gothic. I think it's kind of cool. So his art, to me, on Earth is... It, I don't know. Some of his facial expressions are weird. But overall, I like his art in general. I wish he would have done the cover. I generally really like his covers, even more so than his interiors. Um, Havoc, Alex looks a little better later in the book when he's with Janet. Like I said, the Wolverine costume change is interesting. I like his Thor. All right, so basically, I love his space stuff and am always a fan of his weird stuff. And I like his Thor a lot. Some of the rest of the stuff is not bad. It's just not as awesome. But, um... Art overall is really good. The story is great overall. There are a couple of things, nitpicky things. I wasn't super excited about this issue, but the awesome stuff is awesome enough to throw an awesome blanket over the issue and cover all that up. So I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers number seven. I cannot wait for the next battle or to see them fight the Apocalypse Twins. I'm super stoked. So Uncanny Avengers number 7 gets 3 out of 3 claws. Okay, so the last issue we're going to cover this month, we're going to uh, dive back into Avengers for the first time in a while. Um, I believe the last time... Well, anyway, uh, we're going to do Avengers number 10, Validator. <laughs> Which... Okay, anyway, um, it's written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Mike Diodato, Colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the cover is by Dustin Weaver and Justin Ponsor. And this cover is fantastic. I love uh, Weaver's Dustin Weaver's Wolverine. Though uh, apparently the, the trend right now is to do the uh, sideburns sticking out of the mask. Because his uh, cover has Wolverine with a little tuft of uh, facial hair coming out the cowl. Uh, but still, it's really cool. And his Captain America is awesome like he should do a captain america book like i think that is just his design his style is perfect for captain america and i'm a sucker for this um it's like a red outline that kind of fades up into almost like a pinkish white around captain america i know it's kind of a stylized thing but i really like that then we have some alpha flight guys in the background which um all right so validator who is I don't know, carry, uh, they're not Alpha Flight anymore now. They're Omega Flight, aren't they? Anyway, Validator is a dumb name for a superhero. You know, I'm kind of meh on Alpha Flight slash Omega Flight anyway. But, um, yeah, Val- Validator is like, like super, I'm going to make you feel good superhero. Like, oh, Captain America, your superpowers are so cool. Your shield is not, it was really good to team up with you. I want to validate you. <laughs> anyway. It's a dumb name for a hero. Um, okay, well, last time we really talked about Avengers. I know we mentioned kind of as an aside, because uh, Wolverine was barely in a couple of the other episodes, but um, it was Avengers number three. And remember, they fought these guys on Mars that were like the creators or the gardeners or whatever. And they sent to Earth these creation bombs. And part of the stuff they've been going with the last few issues is these bombs, like, basically sprouted in different places around the globe where they landed and they created like these domes of like where inside stuff went wild it was kind of like that tabula rusa or rosa thing that was an uncanny x-men for a little bit but just a different origin but it's kind of that idea that like evolution and creation goes differently inside these little bubbles that are kind of spread out around the globe so when we start off 
is we have some shield agents over the corpse of, of an Omega Flight guy, and they're getting a sample of basically brain waves or something from this corpse. Like, I guess he had memory implants or something. Well, that'll kind of be uh, hashed out later. Then we go in eight hours ago, and the Avengers are landing on... There's a hover carrier next to a giant uh, Canadian-like battleship fighter thing floating in the sky next to the helicarrier. So the Avengers all land, and they kind of... Um, Basically, the Canadian government, there was a, a creation bubble in Canada, and they sent in their team, Omega Flight, which was Wendigo, Validator, Kingdom, I don't know who that is. He has a, he's white with a gold maple leaf on his chest. And then Box with two X's, which is super 90s. Uh, he's some kind of like mecha slash android. Anyway, they went to investigate the bubble inside Canada, which I didn't know Wendigo was a hero now. I totally missed that somewhere. But I gotta say, Diodato's version of him is awesome. In fact, with one exception, which I'll talk about at the end of the issue, Diodato's art is just gorgeous in this issue. It's fantastic. And his art kind of has steadily evolved and changed a little bit, like, over the last few years. And I'm really liking where it's ending up. And I'll... I need to go back and check. I don't know if he usually does his own inks or not, but it really paid off in this issue for him to ink himself. And just, it's really, really stellar art. And Wendigo looks awesome. Anyway, so they jump down into the bubble and they're kind of going okay for a while, but then the the evolved creatures inside the creation bubble just kind of tear them apart. They destroy Box, they rip Wendigo's uh, intestines out, and then... They destroy the other two, and the Validator gets, like, taken over by some kind of pod or something. Anyway, so that was a month ago, and the Avengers are like, how come you're just now coming to us? But anyway, the Canadian government, Department H, remember they uh, are the Canadian Secret Service or whatever, and they finally ask the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. for help because they don't know what else to do. They've tried to get inside the bubble any way they can. Oh, I'm sorry, I neglected to mention. So... It wasn't fully closed when Omega Flight went in, and it closed on top, like finished closing on top of them. So not only were they defeated and murdered, but they weren't able to get out. And now the, the Canadian superheroes cannot get anybody else in. So they've come to the Avengers for help, and of course this Eden guy, who I'm still not having read all these issues, I'm still not sure. I know he's some version or some relation to Gateway and has similar powers, so he... uh. He says he can get the Avengers in, but the uh, Canadian government has one caveat, and that is that this guy goes with them. I forget his name real. Let me see if I can find it real fast. Agent McCod is his name. I don't really recognize him, but if I read the Omega Flight stuff, I probably would, but I don't. Anyway, the caveat is he's going to accompany the Avengers in, and of course we know or find out, and I'm, I'm assuming if I was a reader, I would have already known this, but he is... Keep in mind, he is Validator's father. And so he definitely has a personal stake in this mission to go in and rescue his daughter, as well as figure out what's going on and try to defeat whatever evil may or may not be inside the bubble. So an hour later, they've prepped, and Eden takes them into the jungle, and the Agent McCod guy's like, no, this should be like the middle of downtown. Why is there a jungle in here? And of course, that's what... These creation bubbles do. They do different, like, biospheres and evolutions and whatever. And they see that they come in and there's the downtown in the middle of the jungle. And the, the trees and bushes have overrun all the buildings. It's actually a really cool visual um, that Diodato does here with the... There's, like, some overturned cars and some crumbling buildings and lots of jungle. And some kind of, like, pterodactyl dragon-type creatures flying around. So the Avengers find it, and then this little guy that kind of looks like a mole person, but it's not quite exactly the same, but he's got a stick, and he's he points the Avengers a certain way, and he speaks a language they don't understand, and then he runs off. And the Avengers are trying to decide if they should follow him, and Captain America asks Falcon, he says, what do you think? The Falcon says, I want you to know that I'm going to feel just awful flying away while the creepy yellow dudes lure you into their trap and eat you. <laughs> 
And Captain America says, well, try to say nice things about me at the funeral. And so the Avengers, he's like, let's go. So the Avengers follow the, the weird mole person, tribal person, and then a bunch of them fall in line behind the Avengers. So they're definitely... And then suddenly there's a whole crowd of them. But the Avengers with Wolverine are going in there. And then there's like this big glowing pit. And Validator comes out. And she, uh... At first, I thought she was like just a uniform and hair. Like, because her eyes are blacked out and her face under her mask is blacked out. I guess it's just like shadow, but this visual is really striking. Another awesome panel by Diodato that's just fantastic and looks really creepy and just makes you feel... You feel like the somberness. Is that the right? Is that the noun for somber? I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm going with the somberness of the story. And now she is speaking not the language of the of the indigenous creatures, but I think this is the language of the uh, the Adam guy who was the uh, the man that uh, the villains in the first arc tried to create to start a new like race. So either that or some kind of star language. And she walks up to her dad and whispers something. And everything goes black. And then suddenly the Avengers are back out in the desert. And S.H.I.E.L.D. and Department H come to pick them up. And Agent McCollin asks Captain America. He says, do you remember? Captain America says, yes. And he says, are you going to tell anyone what you saw? Can anyone make you? And Captain America says, I don't have those kind of problems. How about you? And it turns out he has what's called a Series 6 recording implant. There's no audio. It's just video. But Department H is going to review it and ask questions. And Wolverine um, asks him, he says, what did she tell you? And he says, don't worry about it. And then he pulls out his blaster and shoots himself in the head. So he commits suicide to try to prevent anybody from knowing what they saw. I guess he's trusting the Avengers to keep the secret. But he knows that his memory implants would give it away. So I guess he tries to shoot it out of himself. And then we see, I like the, the design of Eden's, like, teleportation. It looks really cool. It makes almost like a weird crop circle in the desert. It looks really awesome. Of course, all the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. and Department H all run over to the uh, freshly swapped over body of Agent Makad, but it's too late. He's dead. So then we have a meeting with one of the heads of Department H and Maria Hill. Of course, it's the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. And they basically say that they feel like the Avengers aren't telling them anything. They just said that they don't really remember what happened. They jumped into what should have been a city and found a forest, and then it was just gone. Oh, okay, so maybe they didn't teleport out. Maybe the creation bubble disappeared. I was confused. I thought in the black space that Eden got them out, but I guess that's weird. I don't really, is there desert in Canada? I'm confused. Anyway, apparently the, the, either they got out or the whole thing just disappeared. Which I guess that's what Hickman's trying to say happened according to this conversation. But the guy from Department H says, do you believe them? And Maria Hill says, no. I think they were holding something back, but they've left. And I'm not much for chasing air. And he's like, and that's okay with you? And <laughs> she's like, which part? The leaving or the not telling? Because they don't completely trust us, and we make a habit of giving them a good reason not to. Of course, remember, S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, the Avengers have a tumultuous history. She says, we lie to them often, so they withhold from us. It's baked into the relationship. But since you're the manifestation of good old-fashioned honesty, why don't you tell me what you're not telling me? And he's like, excuse me. And And basically, she calls his bluff. And so it turns out they had additional footage. They were able to recover... Agent McCod's um, memory video after all. So his suicide mission didn't really work. And not only that, but they got a lot of extra footage. The Avengers were in there for, let's see, it says here, 49 minutes from when they went into the bubble to when S.H.I.E.L.D. and Department H found them. But they found more, not only was that 49 minutes accounted for in the video, but a lot more. Exactly 327 hours. So there's some kind of time flux inside this bubble. And basically what they saw or what they witnessed was everybody had different versions of themselves. Past, present, and future. So we have this, uh, I forgot, the Smasher, I think is her name. The Shi'ar, the human Shi'ar Imperial Guard. There's a version of her or maybe it becomes a him. That's super bulky. 
and I didn't read the issue that told her origin, so maybe that's the past Smasher. And then a, a, a future version that's an alien, but with the chest emblem. And we see the Hulk, and then Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk, and then we see this future Hulk that showed up in A plus X that I'm assuming is from a different story. He looked kind of familiar. It's like the super strong caveman Hulk with the beard and the, the warrior bracelets or whatever. And then we see Falcon making a cry noise and his his wings, he actually grows like real bird wings. Then we see Wolverine in a different uniform that looks okay. He kind of looks the same, so that part was kind of funny. Then we see a past and future Captain America uniform. And then I guess she kind of prophesied his own death because we see Agent McCod decay into a skeleton. And we see Validator talk to her dad, but of course remember there's no audio. But Dredger Hill's like, she obviously told him something. And then we go to, uh, we have the Avengers on the Quinjet. And this is the only panel of art I didn't like. I remember when I talked, and I don't remember Diodato doing this in the past with Wolverine. I've always really enjoyed his Wolverine. I remember he did the cover for uh, the Wolverine and the X-Men issue that had the Age of Ultron special issue. And I talked about how he gave, like, Wolverine giant disproportionate, like, gorilla hands. Well, in this one panel, he does it again. Wolverine's hands are huge. They're, like, bigger than his whole head, like, per hand. I don't really understand if that's why, if that's a choice he's making, it's a bad choice. If it's just not a good panel, then it's a trend he needs to back away from. But other than that one panel and that one cover I just disparaged, his art is amazing through the whole book. So the, some of the newer Avengers are questioning, like, aren't we going to talk about it? And Wolverine's like, no, not really. <laughs> Eden and Smasher are like, well, no, we got to know what happened. I have lots of questions, blah, blah, blah. Why'd that guy kill himself? Wolverine's like, he did what he thought he had to do. He did what someone does when keeping a secret is worth more than their life. This master says, I don't understand. Why? Wolverine says, because whenever Validator became, it used to be his daughter. And he looks down, he's sad. Then we see that Validator is, like, McCod, when he's kind of seeing himself decay into a skeleton, he asks his daughter to please stop. And she walks up to him, and we get what she said. She said, Father, something amazing has happened here. It's happened to me. We've made something, and I'm supposed to protect it. It's bigger than any of us ever imagined, Father. The system is online now, and then they all disappear. And that's where we leave off. So I got to say, I kind of dropped Avengers for a while. Well, for like six issues. And the first story, remember, I it started off really good, and I kind of got lukewarm on it. This issue was really good, and I really like Hickman's writing in this issue. That said, it's not, I guess, awesome, and I want to see where it goes next. But I don't really feel like I need to go get the issues I skipped. Like, I feel like there were things in there that maybe kind of embellish the story, but I feel like I can leave off an issue 3 and pick up an issue 10, and I don't really feel like I missed a giant chunk of story. Like, I'm sure they explained some of the other sites, the creation sites, maybe had... Some Avengers go in there. I think Smasher went in one and, and whatever. That may have been interesting, but I don't really feel like I needed that to enjoy the story. So I'm going to actually say, even though I've been kind of lukewarm on Hickman, that's actually, from my point of view, a compliment about his writing that I can kind of dive right back in after missing six issues and feel like I'm up to speed and I really enjoyed the story. I'm also wondering if maybe Hickman's just one of those guys that can write for everybody. So I didn't really get into the super sci-fi spacey stuff he was doing. But I'm really digging this story. This story reminded me, you know, I said that the first art kind of had a similar tone to Remender's X-Force. Well, this reminded me of just a good old-fashioned X-Men story. I know it's in, it's in the Avengers book, but it had a very X-Men feel to it. And so I feel like this issue appealed to me a lot as a giant X-Men fan. I feel like maybe Hickman's just one of those guys that can write lots of different kinds of stories and write them well. So maybe the stuff of his I don't like. Maybe he's still doing a really good job. It's just not my kind of story. You know, I don't get really into like the Fantastic Four type stuff. And from what I understand, a lot of people really, really, he had a really long run on Fantastic Four. And a lot of people really liked it. The couple issues I tried, it wasn't my cup of tea, but... You know, maybe I was being too hard on it. Maybe he's 
wrote that really good for Fantastic Four fans, and I'm, that's just not me. But anyway, and that's enough of my uh, hypothesizing. I really, really like this issue, and that's the issue we're talking about. The writing was really good. The art was, like I've said a couple of times already, just fantastic, really just gorgeous art. There were a couple of panels in particular. His Wendigo was awesome. The part of the city being overrun by the jungle. Valadir coming out of the glowing pit. Yeah, just really, really great. So, um, I would definitely see what happens next. I don't... I have a feeling my Avengers buying will be spotty, kind of hit and miss, but... I think I'll be able to find the issues that I get that I really, really like. And this was one of them. So I'm going to give Avengers number 10 three out of three claws. And that's a very strong three out of three claws. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. I got one more thing, a little surprise for you guys. And you'll have to see what it is. All right. All right. So we got something a little different, a little bit special for the end of the episode. Uh, My six-year-old, Ethan, has um, been asking when he's going to get to be on the podcast and you know i'm a i'm a good dad i can say no you know i can when he asks to eat skittles for breakfast i say no when he wants to have a katana blade i say no but you know when he wants to do something that emulates me like play on my drums or my guitar or in this case be on the podcast with me i mean what kind of monster could say no to that so um Anyway, I am I'm not really sure how this is going to turn out exactly, but I am actually super excited to uh, say we're going to have a quick Q&A with Ethan, the six-year-old Wolverine fan. And uh, we'll see what we get. All right, cool. Okay, so I got a very special little bub with me today. Why don't you say hi? Hi. What's your name? Ethan. Ethan, it's good to have you on the podcast that goes snicked. Ethan, how old are you? Six and three quarters. Six and three quarters. All right. Are you going to go play some baseball later today? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Ethan, do you like the X-Men? Yes. Why do you like the X-Men? Because they're cool. Because they're cool? What's cool about them? They have special powers. They have special powers. And what are some of their special powers? Um, well, Wolverine has Wolverine claws. Yes, he does. Cyclops has little lasers. Yeah, where do his lasers come from? His little laser glasses. His laser glasses. Okay, then yeah, they come from his eyes. Who's um? Where do you like to see the X Men? On my little cartoons. On your little cartoons. Where do we watch the cartoons on? Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. <laughs> On the Wii. And do you like the cartoon? Mm-hmm. Do you love the cartoon? Yes. Do you think it's awesome? Yes. What's another word you would use besides awesome? Extremely awesome. Extremely awesome. <laughs> I didn't even have to coach that pun, audience. He went right to it by himself. Extremely awesome. That's cool. Well, Ethan, who is... Your favorite X-Men? Wolverine. Wolverine. Are you saying that just because you know it's my favorite? No, no. it's my favorite. It's your favorite? Why is Wolverine your favorite? Because I really like how he can shoot out his claws. Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. Do you think he has a good attitude in the cartoon? No. <laughs> He's <laughs> so mean. He's so mean. <laughs> he ran away once, too. Yes, he did run away once. So why do you like him if he's mean? Well, it's cool with his little claws, yeah. so that's why he's my favorite. So you like the bad boys? No, not the bad <laughs> boys. Just, I'm just saying I really like Wolverine because of the claws. Because of the claws? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what... Can you talk like Wolverine talks? No. Do you remember? How, he, how does he do his voice? <laughs> do, do that louder. <laughs> sort of. I don't really know. He kind of growls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what else do you like about the X Men? Um, Who are some of the other X Men you like? Jubilee. Jubilee. You remember what you used to call Jubilee when the first time you saw it? Jingle. Jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's Jubilee's powers? 
Um, she can shoot sparks. Yeah, she shoots like fireworks. Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. What are some of the other really cool X Men you like? Gambit. Gambit, yeah, Gambit's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what's your favorite bad guy? I pretty much. I forgot his name. Okay, but we'll he, describe him. Maybe I can remember his name. He um, he's a get. He used to work with Professor X. Okay. And he turned to the dark side. You turned to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I believe you're talking about Magneto. Magneto. The guy with the purple cape and the gray hair. Yes. Yes. He's the master of magnetism. He can control everything that's metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite episode so far? Do you remember? Do you have one? I really like... Um, um, the first episode with Magneto in it. Okay. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. And we thought he was going to capture all the mutants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he didn't. No, he didn't. Do you like the Sentinels? Those are the bad guys, right? Yeah, the big robots. <gasps> they are cool, but I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Okay, is there anything else you want to say about the X-Men? You want some X-Men Legos for your birthday? Yes. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to say? No. No? Okay, well, thank you very much, Ethan, for being on the podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, and don't forget, guys, if you're on iTunes, we have an iTunes review. And you can email at uh, snickcast at yahoo.com. You can go to the website, snickcast.podbean.com. Get some show notes, leave some comments. Um, You can follow us on Twitter, at snickcast. And Ethan, what are you going to say? Meet us at Twitter. (laughs) Yes, and like us on Facebook. Search for us, and we pop up pretty quick. Search for the podcast that goes nicked. Or our URL on Facebook is facebook.com slash snicked podcast fan page. And go on there and read some stuff. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and hugs and snicks. Say 